Welcome to Coach to Scale, how modern leaders build coaching cultures. I'm your host, Matt Benelli. Join me as we build a community of like-minded professionals who share the belief that effective coaching improves the performance of every team member. Our mission is to help leaders become better coaches. The Coach to Scale podcast is sponsored by Coachem, the world's first AI coaching execution platform that leverages evidence-based coaching to increase quota attainment. And with that, let's get started. All right, everybody, I think you're going to love listening to the conversation with today's guest. As you'll see, the guest is a student of the business. She's thoughtful, methodical, and innovative. She spent decades in go-to-market leadership positions with well-known names such as Staples, LogMeIn, Carbon Black, VMware, Malwarebytes, and she's a very busy woman these days. In addition to um, raising her family, she's an LP at Stage 2 Capital. She's the founding member of the Boston Revenue Collective. And in her spare time, she's Chief Revenue Officer at LastPass. Amy Appleyard, hello. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. You got it. You got it. I'm happy to be here with you. So the cool thing about this is I get to have conversations with people like you on a daily, very consistent basis and talk about stuff that uh, I love talking about, people in our business love hearing about, and the guests that come on are passionate about the topics as well. So with that, I'm going to toss a question right over to you. A little bit of a softball, I think, Amy, but get us it'll get us started and get your point of view. Amy, what's a common myth about coaching salespeople or sales leaders that you believe it could be a little bit misguided? Oh, I love this one. It's a good question. I've heard you ask this before because I've been watching your podcast. Um, I think for me, um, I, I really don't like it when people approach coaching as if uh, salespeople are 100% coin operated. I think that um, has you doing things with coaching that isn't really looking at the rep or thinking about the rep or even the manager holistically, I think people bring a lot more to the table if you coach them as if they are just there for the paycheck um, and are purely coin-operated, that's what you'll get. Um, but if you want someone who's really going to put every effort into helping everybody on their team and people within the rest of the organization understand their jobs and what they can contribute and help our customers, I think you really have to coach to the whole person. And that includes everything. Of course, some of it is going to be around you know, the end of the sales cycle, closing a deal. But a lot of it is just around discovery, asking questions, thinking about someone's career path. Like there could be some very specific things they're trying to work on. And if you coach to those, I find that the success does follow. Awesome. So uh, you mentioned a couple of things there and, and they're different. Um, and McKinsey did a great piece on this, talking about the organizations that lean into coaching the person um, are the ones that attract and retain the best talent. And they separated it into a couple of buckets. One bucket you talked about is career pathing, which is, hey, you're here. Um, there's an opportunity for you here. Like there's a lot of opportunity. Where do you want to go um, as your next step whenever that is? And how do we prepare you to get there? That's one. The second part of it is how do we coach you and develop you to excel in your role? so that you're successful in the role today, because if you're not successful in the role today, you're not going anywhere, right? So how do, how do you look at that? How do you help you know, that new manager, for example, or any manager 
focus on those two different priorities with a rep while they're trying to change the tires while the car is moving. Yeah. Yeah, it is hard, right? And I don't think anybody gets it right or gets it perfectly, but I, I'm a big structure and kind of systems person. And so I try to think about, you know, what, um, h- how would you split your time, right? Like, how would you spend the week? How would you color code your calendar based on the activities that you're doing? And so for each individual rep, there could be something that you work on, probably should be something that you work on in one-on-ones every week, which are focused perhaps on the deal cycle. Like where is somebody struggling or where do they need help there? Where do you know they've had the training, but now you want to provide the coaching, do some role play, et cetera. And then set aside longer term things for let's have a career coaching conversation. Like let's find out if I'm the right person to coach you. Like maybe there's something that you want in your career that we might need to hook you up with somebody else for. So those should be structured and very different Um but just talking about it as a coaching opportunity and something where someone can, you know, ask a lot of questions and they can get a lot of feedback and, and practice and role play and try different things. Um, and naming it for what it is, I think can be super helpful, especially to someone who's early in their career and just trying to model the, find the way. Um, and you want to model it for them. And, and you, you talked about people that are earlier in their career and I brought that up too. And in a lot of the conversations I have with leaders like yourself, this topic of coaching and developing is is perhaps too often geared toward and focused on the new people. But what about the people that are thriving? What about the people that are contributing the vast majority of the business? What about the eagles? Right, we we have to feed them too. What do the best leaders do? You know, you know, what do the best frontline managers do? Also that brings out the best in their reps. So like, let's assume they're not focusing that, you know, assuming that they're coin operated, what are they doing yeah. to, you know, light that fire with their, with their people? Yeah. Um, well, I guess it maybe kind of want to answer that in, in a couple of different directions. So one would be like for somebody who is just crushing it, right? Like they're doing really well, they're soaring. Um, and there, there's you, usually folks like that want more, right? They want a little bit more in their career. They're ready for the next step, or they might be thinking about the next step, but don't know how to make that decision. Like maybe they're just happy, they're earning, they're crushing it, they're um, helping other people to, you know, learn how to do what they do. So maybe they don't want to move into a manager's position, but there might be something else they'd like to learn or explore. Usually, I find because I've been in cybersecurity for a while and sell a pretty technical product. Usually, people who are doing really, really well have a deep familiarity and understanding with the product. And so if you can connect them to somebody who can help them understand more technically what is happening, meaning you might want them to have a technical coach, somebody who is outside of the sales organization, just to get them smarter, to get them more knowledgeable about the solution that we are selling, um, that often can be just a huge motivator. And then it fuels their success, could potentially fuel an interest in other parts of the organization. But um, I think making sure that you're just looking at the person and recognizing, okay, they clearly understand the sales, everything from soup to nuts, from, you know, prospecting all the way to closing. Um, but they probably want some other things to learn, like just investing in them and figuring out what that could be. And then I find internally that creates a nice set of um, just kind of cross-pollination, you know, very um, a, a way to tap into other parts of the art to say, hey, could you provide a little bit of help or advice to this person? They're working on these things, maybe listen to some of their calls or join them on, you know, a customer meeting um, and see where they might get tripped up or where they turn to their, you know, solutions engineer um, to help with a little bit. Like just give them a little nudge or point them in the right direction, suggest books or resources where they could get a little bit more knowledgeable and maybe do the whole demo by themselves or something. Um, I think that there was a second part to that question, but I'm blanking on what it was now, but that's, yeah. No, I, I don't know. I mean, the, 
It was a long question, but I think there was only one part of it, which is what do the best managers do? Uh, what do the best leaders do that to bring out the best in their people? And you, you, I think you you nailed on that and, and you touched on a few different topics. Uh, but the, number one is you're showing that you care about that individual, right? What, okay, so in addition to you know, getting the deals done, where do you want to grow and improve, right? Those top people want want to grow eagles want to be fed and that might be hey i'm good at this sales thing i know how to ask questions but i don't know, maybe i don't have this cyber maybe this isn't my background yeah so if i have a technical mentor it's it's not as much about like understanding the bits and bytes from a pre-sales engineer perspective but the more they understand about the product the better questions mm-hmm. they can ask yeah um, and, and also, it, it takes a village. So in a, in a world that's increasingly a team cell, you're bringing other people into the fold, into your organization, and getting feedback and you know uh, diversity of thought, et cetera, which I believe helps grow the organization. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I just love it when a sales organization kind of just fans out within the rest of the company. Um, I think we have a, we talked about stories all day long. We have a lot to share. And um, as you start building relationships and sort of spreading, you know, what we're hearing on calls um, and what we're hearing from customers, I think others tap into that and, and want to to understand as well. It just gets everybody really focused on the customer. So I, I appreciate that. Um, it, it, we're talking about questions. It's often said that the best leaders ask the best questions. Yeah. What are one or two questions you've found super helpful in the past or, or still find today? Yeah, there's a few um, that I like. And in fact, I was just working on one of these with uh, somebody on my team who um, has a body of knowledge, an area of interest that he wants to get um, just deeper, more knowledgeable about. And so we spent a lot of time um, talking about, I asked him, you know, well, how do you learn? Like, what's the best way for you to learn? Like as an adult, like we aren't all, we're not sitting in a classroom, we're not, but, um, and I suspected that I knew the answer, right? You know, it is not reading a stack of books, right? It's very personal. It's podcasts. It's, um, it's reading blogs, quick things, quick hits, any, um, you know, short videos. Um, and then just tapping into people resources, like wanting to talk to people about the concepts and the things that he's hoping to learn. So it's good for somebody to identify that and know, because then you can help point them to the right coach or to the right resources to help them get that extra knowledge. So I love it when, um, I spent a lot of time thinking about how I learn as well. Um, and I've asked for feedback on that from folks just because there's a limited amount of time in the day, but I do have a family and the hobbies and things that I like to do in addition to work, but I spent a lot of time working. I just want to optimize it. So if I want to do something or accomplish something, I, I like to learn it fast. And, and I've kind of figured out the things that, um, that work for me. Um, another question that I really like to ask people um, is tell me about when you've had like just a really great week like the end of the week you just you crushed it like everything fell into place you whatever it is like i don't even want to like to suggest what it might be but like tell me what that is like and um and why do you why do you feel so good like on friday night and it's interesting what people will answer you know some it's more well i help this person or you know this person sits next to me or that and i and i coach them on this thing after i heard them on a call or they asked me to listen to their gong calls that would be the equivalent of that because we're often not in an office together and, uh, you know, and then they succeeded or somebody else, it might be like, oh, we had this big deal and it took all these people and all these resources and we got it through and it was a big team effort. Um, but that just like, you can see people really light up and you can figure out what's important to them. Like at that time in their career, it will change over the course of their career, but 
it's just a fun thing to then build back into um, if they're struggling, if they're, you know, having heard them visualize the success, like as they describe it to you, um, I think you learn a lot about them and then can figure out how to coach and um, kind of get underneath what might be troubling down the road. So that's just a good one to um, to understand, good way to get to know people. Hold that thought because I want to go to the, your, the next question you're going to talk about. But um, when I've asked and when I've heard other leaders ask what something, the functional equivalent of um, tell me about what makes a great week, you learn a lot about what's important to people. They light up and you talked about that. But you also learn where there may be some coaching or some guidance that's necessary when they say, if I, you know, if I close the deal. Right. So they're only measuring their week as if they yes. actually got a result. And in our business, that doesn't happen all the time. Or if they say, I don't know, uh, you know, OK, well, let's let's think about yeah. that. Right. So there's that when you when you uh, coach, when they ask that question, they understand what lights that person up. But they might also find out where they as a coach may need to do some work and roll up their sleeves. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Yes. Yeah. I definitely agree. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. I love those two questions. Yeah, I cut you off though. You're going to go to another one. Well, I was going to uh, say, say another one that um, I remember hearing er, very early in my career um, from uh, a sales leader who after uh, a call we had had together, it was a communication that he was doing to a, a broader audience. And I was in a, um, a strategy role at the time. Um, and he asked me, you know, how'd I do? And I was like, he's asking me for feedback. Like, this is so cool. And this is somebody who was quite senior to me. And um, I just really appreciated that he took the time to ask for feedback. You know, I had prepared some slides and had provided them to him to deliver the message. And um, it, I just appreciated that, right? And and also it made me realize like he was just incredibly self-reflective, even though he was in a very senior position. And I um, just carried that through for myself as well. I gather a lot of feedback and, um, and I think back on him as well at that as I do that. So, Amy, you brought up feedback, and by all accounts, all the data, all the you know experiential data suggests that the best leaders, the best coaches, give quick, actionable, you know, timely, actionable feedback. And it's not always sunshine and rainbows, right? Um, what, what's what is your advice to leaders coming up um, in this business who struggle to give feedback that may not be welcome by the person getting the feedback meaning it's it's constructive it's not all wow you did a great yeah. job and here's why yeah um so is the question um how would i advise somebody who isn't comfortable giving feedback that might not be positive is that what you're asking okay um yeah better stated. Okay. So I think um, what I often try to say is, yeah, just you have to approach feedback and hopefully you've established um, a relationship with the person that you're providing it to that you're going to get feedback, positive and negative, right? So make it clear out of the gate. It won't always be positive. And then um, framing it up as like, hey, I wanted to share some feedback that this might be hard to hear, but it is something we should just talk through or work through. So just preface it rather than just like jumping right into the negative. Um, and then have an opportunity for dialogue. Just say, this is what I'm seeing, or this, then I know you are working on this thing. And I think these two are related. And so let's spend a little bit of time talking about it. Um, I think also, hopefully people would understand or know if the person is going to get defensive or if they're going to shut down or, um, you know, how they would react to it. I've had people 
um, who I've uh, managed before, where if I had feedback that wasn't going to be all rosy, they um, were better um, if they read it first. So I would shoot an email over saying, hey, in our one-on-one today, I want to talk about just this specific thing, um, which I found a little troubling or um, just thinking that's you know, an area for improvement. And if they had time to read it and to digest it, they came to the reading with solutions already, right? And so um, there are some people for whom they might just get a little defensive, but that's how they respond immediately because they just want to take time to digest it. And so writing it down, you know, taking the time to understand that's how they're going to receive it, write it down, send it to them, I think shows um, a high level of just empathy and understanding for the individual. And then hopefully they will know you have their best interest at heart, right? You're not just trying to be critical. You're actually trying to make them a better person or a better leader. Awesome. And I know a lot of companies, and I know you're familiar with this, use behavioral communication assessments like DISC to find out, yeah. okay, so what, you know, what's my communication style as the leader? What's the communication style of each person on my team? What are the pros and the cons of that? And if I'm delivering this message, how might each person receive that based on how they're wired? And I think that's what you've just described, yes. and it's super, super helpful, and it helps bridge that, that trust. Um, re really good stuff. You talked about being a systems uh, and structure person, Amy. Um, at the, even at a high level, uh, as deep as you're willing to go, can you describe the framework that you use to coach your people, whether they're your the, the leadership team that works for you, or uh, you know, or individual contributors that work for you when you're uh, a manager? I don't know if I have a classic um, framework in that it's like an off the shelf, oh, this person said this, and so this is how I coach. But um, I do think that I try to approach it from um, sort of the the tactical immediate, like what does somebody need to know now, like to get their, their job done? Um, and is there an opportunity to provide those kind of quick hit coaching, like in the moment coaching, if you've been on a call together and you want to respond afterward or something. Um, and then I think there's the, I al always try to couple that with sort of the midterm things as well as the long term. I think long term is more of the career planning. And I think the midterm would be um, opportunities for people to share something with others, right? So building them up enough that they realize like, okay, I'm an expert in this, and I might want to share this with the rest of the team. Um, yeah, I don't know that it, I don't know if you call it a framework. I think it's just something I've kind of figured well, out yeah, tends to work. Short term, yeah. midterm, long term. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that, yeah. Like, okay. that's a framework. Short term, right, midterm, long term. <laughs> You do, you do, um, and 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 then one of the ways like that that framework is executed is within the context of a one-on-one. -on -one. Um, how important is that one-on-one -on -one between that manager and that and that uh, and their employee? I I love one-on-ones. I do one-on-ones with my boss. I, I expect them. It's part of my normal cadence, um, and I do it with every one of my directs. We have weekly one-on-ones anywhere from half an hour to an hour, depending on what what time we need. Uh, and I feel like I just try to model the way there, like it is essential to meet. Um, it might not be weekly. It might be bi-weekly. It might be half hour, 45 minutes or an hour, but um, that time just to, especially in a remote um, environment, which is the, how our company operates where, yeah. um, yeah, all, all remote. Um, you just need the time to connect. And, um, and I, and I found ways to kind of strategize or optimize. I think that time, 
uh, which, so that you can really get to the good stuff that you couldn't just read in an email or, or write in an email, but really um, have good dialogue. And I always separate out um, the one-on-one from a forecasting meeting or from a specific coaching, like a career coaching conversation or something like I think that the one-on-one time is a, is a checkpoint to get some tactical things out of the way, but also um, just to see how each other are doing, right? Which is Which can be challenging in remote environments. And, and um, that's music to my ears, personally, that the one-on-one separated from the forecast, the deal-related stuff. But let's face it, um, a lot of managers, for reasons, you know, hey, time, right? And you know, there are unreasonable expectations on leaders' times these days. Let's not, you know, duck that. But that said, why do you think it is critically important to separate the forecast, the deal stuff, from the one-on-one? I think it really gets back to that, that thing we talked about at the top, right? I think if every one-on-one is filled with forecasting discussions, those will take up the time. And then you are approaching the relationship that you have as that coin operator, right? Like, I just need you to deliver this thing because it's going to deliver that, you know, we're going to help, we're going to hit bookings. Um, and I, that's just not as fun to me, right? I also, I do forecasting um, more broadly. I like to have a, a, other people on the call, right? I wouldn't want to do that in a one-on-one environment because I don't think you can forecast your business alone, right? You probably want your partner representative. You definitely want your solutions consultants on the team. You, um, anybody else who might be helping you with the deals. It could be somebody from legal or finance. Um, I think that's how you forecast the business effectively. It's so, uh, I I don't think I would want to muddy up a one-on-one with that time. Um, I do think one on ones can have a lot of just like tactical, like, Hey, did you do this? Did you do that? These little things. And those are the things that, uh, my the way I've set it up is we, we just share those in advance in a, a Word doc, like shared file, and just slap every topic on there. Um, anything that is not time sensitive, but just quick updates. Anything that you want to do, so I can spend a few minutes in the morning of the days that I have all the one-on-ones, just reading them, getting caught up to speed. I'll probably put things in, you know, over the weekend. It's easier than sending an email, and so just having that as uh, as a way to you know you get a little bit of the mindset of like what's coming in. Like if the list is yeah. this long from somebody, then you know like they're underwater, right? But if there's just a couple things on yeah. there, then it's like great. We could t- we could probably spend the time talking about some long-term strategic thing we've been wanting to set aside time for um, or something along those lines. Yeah. And it's also, uh, I've gotten feedback on this. It's a good opportunity to coach around priorities, right? If someone has that long list of stuff, all right, what's important now, right? And I think that that's kind of how you led into that conversation. So uh, I brought up time as being uh, a challenge. And oftentimes, not oftentimes, almost all the time, leaders say, if there's one thing I could do more of, it would be coaching my people. And then we said, well, why don't, you know, what's getting in your way? Time. So what is, what is your advice to frontline managers, let's say, who say they don't have time to coach, to have those one-on-ones? So um, maybe move out of a leadership role? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I, I well, okay. So you, <laughs> you, you say I'm kidding. You say I'm kidding. And I sense that you, you don't want to come off like, like, like a jerk, yeah. right? Like, but there's probably some truth to that. Uh, realistically, if we're all sitting around the campfire and having a real conversation, yeah. it's part of the job, right? I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, but that's true. I mean, that is a coaching opportunity, right? If somebody doesn't feel like they have the time and then it's like, okay, well, let's um, talk about like why this is important. Um, 
and and kind of figure out how you make the structure for it and the time for it in your day. And then I usually just want to break down to what are you doing on the one-on-ones and, and, and also um, having them kind of identify what coaching is, right? Because for some, they're actually doing a lot of coaching, but they don't think it's coaching because they haven't set up the meeting and color coded it in their calendar because they're not me, right? Like that might be how I do it. But um, <laughs> they could, they couldn't, but just because they're not doing that doesn't mean they aren't providing the coaching. And um, so then maybe it's just reflecting on, well, you know, why do you think you don't have time for coaching? And don't you realize that you're kind of doing this? Like, I know you talked to rep about a life plan on a weekend. Last weekend, I heard you guys were chatting for like an hour. Um, or you went out and had beers with somebody in the evening and had a career conversation. Like all of those are coaching opportunities. So helping um, leaders, especially young leaders or new, you know, new into management folks realize like all of those touch points are coaching um, just because it isn't yeah. color coded and named as such. I think the color coding and the naming certainly helps me. And I think it helps some people realize that there's structure around it. Um, yeah. Often a new rep, if you're managing teams like that, it is helpful to adopt something like that. Um, also, I think there's a perhaps a perception or sometimes maybe people feel like if you're coaching, it's just give, give, give. But I actually think you get quite a bit back from it. And so maybe having somebody kind of stop and recognize like, oh, yeah, I really did feel really good after that. Or I was so jazzed or energized or something after I um, was able to help somebody with this particular thing. And so recognizing that it, it is a it is a skill and something that's hugely gratifying and rewarding as a leader um, maybe can help turn the tides on it, on, on the thinking that you've got so many other things to do. Um, and then maybe we've talked a little bit about, you know, kind of training versus coaching. I think sometimes people, well, I was just going to ask you yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people training versus coaching probably think like, Oh, I gotta show them how to, you know, create an opportunity. I'm going to do this or I gotta do that. And like, well, that's not necessarily coaching. And that's probably something that somebody else could do for you. Right. So if you've got a fantastic sales operations team, like we have here or enablement team, like, we are fortunate enough to have here, there's probably some things that could just be offloaded, right? Or done in group settings, which would be the, the training, the skills, the knowledge that needs to be shared. Um, and then the coaching you want to preserve for, um, I think one of your um, guests had said uh, that it is um, personal, right? It is It wants to be private and confidential and personal. And I really liked that mm -hmm. way of describing and thinking about it because it should be that way right like not secretive but just something where like it's something that you're doing with someone in a moment that is just for the the two of you for that person to um to grow or to practice and to get better at something that they want want work want to work on but um it does have to be all the time right and and so maybe just identifying hey how much does this person need and how much does that person need and um and how do I make that work within my schedule? It does pay off. It really does pay off. So yeah, the the point that you were bringing up about personal, um, you know, personalized coaching, which is you know the opposite of that is the peanut butter coaching, right? Everybody's you know everybody's got to get better at X. Um, and if the leader finds and determines that the team needs to get better at a certain skill, um, or you know maybe it's updating you know CRM whatever. That's training. Um, you, you, you train. All right, here, we gotta we gotta focus more on this. You know, here's some ways how to do that. But coaching, it's how does that person get from point A to point B for them? Yeah. And everybody's, as you know, right? Everybody is a little bit different. I spoke with uh, a senior AE recently, and what two things that he brought up was number one is that um, his manager and his 
director, second line, asked him about what his goals were, right? And he said, I haven't been asked that in oh. years. And, I, and, and he's been doing this for a long time. And the second thing is the manager um, was a lot less experienced than him. And I said, well, how, do you, how does that make you feel? And he said, you know what? makes me feel fine. Uh, you know, most of the football players, basketball players, most of the athletes that are coached are, are way more experienced at their craft and better than the coach. But so the coach doesn't have to be more experienced or better at something. They just have to want to invest in you to help you get better. Yeah. And what he said specifically was the manager said, hey, you've been doing this for a long time, very successfully, but you're also seem to want to grow. What is something, a skill set that's relevant that you want to get better at? And he got an answer and they work on that. And so every time they leave uh, one of those coaching sessions, this rep said, I feel like it was time well spent because I wasn't just asked about a deal. I've given an update on 500 times. I'm focusing on getting better on something that I want to get better at that we've agreed is important for my role. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, I... I don't know if you want to comment on that, but I, I wanted to share that with with everybody. I mean, I just thought that was such a powerful story on on both fronts. I agree, I totally agree. And I think um, you'll often find yourself, you know, as you as somebody grows in leadership roles, you will have teams or people or you know individuals um, reporting underneath you who have a, who need leadership and guidance, but they have a set of skills that you just don't have or will have, right? Like so, I think of our. Um, solutions engineering organization that resides under me. Like I am, I was not, I'm not an SC by any stretch of the imagination. That is just not the career path that I've had, but I'm deeply fascinated by the technology. And it's part of the reason why I've ended up selling a fairly technical solution to people. And so there's always something to learn there, but from the coaching that I can provide, it's probably going to tap out at a certain point, right? And so then it needs to be who else cross-functionally can we find that can get you to this next level if you want to pursue this other thing. Um, so I think being aware as a, as a leader or somebody who is trying to coach or guide someone that you might not have all the answers or even be the best person to help your individuals and then finding somebody else who can is a, is a great way to go. It's humbling, right? Um, but it just feels normal to me or the right thing to do for me. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So I have a this or that question. We started off okay. with a myth, myth buster question. I have a this or that question and there's no right answer. Um, Let's say, is it better to have a, a team that finishes, let's say, 130% of target, but only a third of the reps exceed the target? So what that means is um, that a third of the reps crushed it, but everyone else is kind of struggling. Or is it better to have slightly lower performance, let's say 115%, but 100% of the reps exceed target and it might be a range of 100 to 105 right they just got over but everybody got over what are your thoughts hi this is a tough one maybe this or that's always kill me because i don't, i always want to qualify but um the so in the second one where you're at the 150 percent and everybody's at a 105 where everybody's you know hitting goal um that's a fun one because then it's like time to hire right like <laughs> and and, uh, and that is, that does not often happen, right, in your career, or at least hasn't to me, right? Like, so, but I, I do like that one. In the other situation, I love that there are people who are just wildly overperforming, because I find that that is always a great, um, it's just great to have that within an organization, right? Like, it shows 
it's out there. You can go get it. Look at what this guy did or this gal did. And um, let's see what they did and see if they could come to model the way for the rest of us. So I do like that when you have some real exceptional performances. And and those that's just those are the legends, right? Like that's what's fun to talk about in any given quarter. Um, but I it always pains me when you have a large chunk of people who are not yet performing. Like then it's I feel like as a leader, then it's starting to diagnose like, wow, what 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 do we need to do? We've got to roll up our sleeves. Like, is there some like work at shift going on? Is it something that's happening um, structurally within the organization or are we not training or developing people in the right way or coaching them? Like, is it, I, I just find it I, a huge amount of responsibility as a leader to then help fix those things. Um, so I guess that the first one that you described with the, you're hitting a really high number and some people are making bank, but a lot of people are not. Um, that's a painful one, right? That's a painful one to be in for me. Um, yeah, you de- that, that's a yeah. Yeah, wake at night. Yeah. 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 That's uh, where gray hair comes from. Yeah, exactly. My, Amy, <laughs> had, had a bunch, had those. So let's um, learn a little bit more about you, Amy. Uh, talk a little bit about your career journey and its influence on your value system as a leader. Yeah. Um, Gosh, this is a good one, and I I could spend the rest of the podcast going through the whole career journey because I've had quite I've done quite a few different things. But I'll focus on maybe what got me ultimately into sales leadership because I had a non traditional path into sales leadership, and I had a finance background and a strategy background. I was working for a very large organization. I was at Staples, um, and I was asked to move into a leadership role, a sales leadership role that I wasn't yet sure I was ready for. But the people who were making the recommendation and asking and ultimately hired me into the role were 100% confident, just no doubt. And for me, I felt like I trusted them enough to know that I could figure this out. um, And I believed that I could do it. And I took the leap and there's been no turning back. It just, it's when just everything lit up for me. And I feel like I just was able to connect a bunch of different parts of my background and my interests uh, with where I knew that I had skills and, and, and areas of opportunity for growth. So um, I think the learning opportunity was one, I love that people trusted me with that and gave me that something, you know, I, I, something I might not have a, aspired to. Um, so I was really asked to do this and, and that I jumped at it. So I feel like I've tried to kind of pay that forward and take people who I see have tremendous amounts of um, just capabilities, but then also just huge career paths ahead of them and say, like, you should apply for this. You should try for that. I'd like you to take on this special project and um, just getting people out of their comfort zone in a way, but also um, expecting more of themselves because others expect more of them. I liked that way of being put into a leadership role. Um, and I do think that that has had a, just a massive impact on on my career and then how I lead people and build teams. And it sounds like it's had a massive impact on other people's careers too. So that's, oh. a, that's, that's a cool, love the answer. Love the answer. So you're at LastPass. Yes. Uh, Two-part two question. Um, what does LastPass do? What's their business? And what attracted you to the position there? So LastPass is a global cybersecurity company, and we provide password management solutions as well as passwordless technology solutions to individuals and businesses of all sizes. So um, I, what attracted me to the company not only was the technology, which is fantastic, but I'm a boomerang. So I was with LastPass a long time ago when it was part of a company called LogMeIn. And then I left to go um, into a, another direction to cybersecurity and to endpoint. 
but ultimately was invited to rejoin LastPass as we spun out from our parent company and are becoming an individual company on its own. So there's a lot of people on my team now who I knew from when I was here before. So you could say the people brought me back for sure. Um, and also the executive team and our CEO, Kareem Tuba, who has had a, a long history in the cybersecurity company and is really just somebody who I admire and wanted to work for. And I really believe in the vision that he has for LastPass as we further make our way into the the identity space. So I was really excited to come back. And it's pretty cool to join a company when you know half the people on your team already and have worked with them. So that was a real, um, a real blessing and a treat. Well, um, you had me at passwordless technology. <laughs> yeah. If that means I don't have to have a million passwords and try to figure out which ones they are and reset them all the time and answer, you know, what is my favorite type of movie what? and what's my was my first dog's name and I don't know why these questions keep stumping me, but they do. Um, it's coming. It's coming. We're getting there. Yeah. It's imminent. Awesome. Yeah. And and I know that my partners uh you know through Mike Myers and Colum um you know back in the log me in days I think we were working with you and your team. I don't know if we yeah. necessarily personally, but it was we like person. 40 people. Yeah. 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 Like four, 40, 40 people. Yeah. Uh, so it's been fun to watch that. Yeah. That media, media uh, growth. Um, so, all right, Amy, we've been talking about coaching for um, a while here. And usually people who are focused on coaching and developing people were the benef benefactors of good coaching themselves. Can you talk about a time when you benefited from really good coaching? And you can go anywhere with that question. Yeah. Yeah, there was um, one thing that um, in our pre-discovery, when you had suggested that you might ask me this question, there was something that popped up, which often pops up for me, um, especially if I move into a new role, you know, which I've done recently here. Um, and it was when I moved into the the very large role that I moved into at Staples when I first moved into sales leadership. And there was a woman who had, you know, advocated for me. And um, as we were, I think it was first day on the job or first week on the job, she had, um, we were just having a one-on-one -on -one and she was providing some coaching. And she had said, um, Amy, just don't be afraid to lead. And I was like, Okay, I got that. Like, I, I, you know, I can run projects, I can run meetings, I can lead people. I've had teams before, not quite as large as the one I have now, but you know, I got this. Um, and I thought that was a strange thing to say. I mean, I thanked her for the feedback, but it's like, that's bizarre. So over the course of just the first weeks, months, um, and then even years in that role um, and in others, I realized that what she was basically saying was, or what I interpreted her as having, as having said to me is, um, you can do like the mechanics of any job, but really getting someone and a group of people um, to follow you, like building that trust such that they they believe you, they think that you are, you know, rational and that you are empathetic and that you are taking them somewhere on a journey that will be meaningful. Um, that's leadership and don't be afraid of it. She was telling me that I had that potential. And mm -hmm. I, where I at first was thinking this was, um, telling me not to be fearful, I think what it was actually saying is like, don't be afraid of painting like that big picture, like really taking people on a journey somewhere. And um, and I really appreciate that feedback. I think about it a lot because it seemed odd, but it wasn't. It was very intentional and very specific. And um, 
And I think I've even relayed that to her. We are still friendly to this day, but if I haven't, I absolutely will have to tell her to watch this podcast. So, What's her name? Carrie Ann Carter. Carrie Ann Carter. I, the reason why I ask is, you know, you, you've been doing this for a while, I have, and when people come up to you and say, you know, Amy, you may not remember me or, you know, we, remember we worked together and you had this impact on me. Um, the feedback I get from leaders is that it just, you know, it gives them the chills, right? It just makes them feel really good about, you know, all the hard work that they've done over their careers. And, you know, sometimes they don't, they don't know the impact. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Carrie Ann Carter, yes. uh, kudos, kudos to, to her. Um, you just talked about the, the coaching and mentoring you got from uh, Carrie Ann. And it made me think of something in my experience, uh, has been that um, women coming up in sales and sales leadership, there's a dearth in, in mentorship. And it, it's uh, often described uh, as something that's very, very important. Amy, what advice do you have for the younger women that are coming up through the ranks in this business? I like it. That's a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. And I'm, I'm glad that you asked it. I think, um, one of the things that I would advise is ask for the feedback and the help that you need. So raise your hand and say, I need some help here. Like, don't be afraid to do that. And also don't just look to the women for that. Like, I think, um, as you move into more senior leadership levels, I, I often find, um, in many cases, though not on the leadership team that we have here, um, I had mentioned that I really appreciate the CEO. And one of the things I appreciate is how much, uh, how many women he has in his organization and leadership levels. So it's a conscious um, effort on his part and something that I appreciate. But I've been in situations where you're the only woman um, on a leadership team and everybody looks to you to coach all the other women. <laughs> and that's not going to work. Like that doesn't scale. So I think often um, young it women- also the, It also doesn't solve the problem. problem right? It and, also doesn't solve the problem. Right. right. And so then for, um, for women who are then looking for mentors or looking for advice, um, I don't think it's like a, I don't, it's often isn't a gender, it's not gender advice that you're looking for. Like if there's something specific that you want right. to understand and you need to ask a woman, great, but usually the learnings can come from anywhere. And so um, maybe making sure that you are opening your horizon to who could help you to learn what you want to learn. Um, with that said, I do love to have one-on-one -on -one discussions or small group discussions or even large group discussions with the women in any of the organizations that I'm a part of, because I think that we just foster a sense of community and um, and a sense of looking forward together to things and trying to figure out how to you know tackle challenges together. But I don't think that the coaching only needs to come from um, somebody who is the same, you know, gender as you. So, thanks for sharing that feedback. Very important. So, Amy, uh, as we close here, any final thoughts? Is there a question that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Oh my gosh, um, no! I really, I, I really appreciate this podcast. I like the way that you ask the questions, just the discovery process and and the the learning um, in terms of getting to know your individual guests. So I'm super happy to have been a part of this. Um, I think I would just encourage people to just always ask for feedback, always seek out coaching wherever you can find it. You'll, you'll never not need it. Um, it's fun. I think it's very rewarding in both directions for the people who, you know, provide the coaching and also the people who receive it. And um, I think that spirit of what you're creating with this podcast series is, is amazing. So I appreciate being a part of this. 
Awesome. Uh, Amy, wow. Uh, learned a lot today, covered a lot of ground. We talked about the difference between coaching and training and mentoring. We talked about the importance of getting outside your comfort zone and taking on roles that you may not think you're ready for, but you are. Um, and we talked about the importance of personalized coaching. And lastly, you talked about the fact that learning is not anything gender specific. Learnings can come from anywhere and anybody. So, um, Amy, if anyone is interested in hearing more about what's going on with LastPass and what you're doing there, whether they want to be a client, or maybe they're interested in coming to work at LastPass, how do they get in touch with the right person? Gosh, LinkedIn is just a great way to get in touch with me. I'm happy to, you know, to take any conversation from there. So it's uh, just Amy Appleyard. I'm the only one. Amy Appleyard, going into the fall, can't forget apples uh, in, in Boston. Um, all right, uh, we're gonna leave it right there. Thank you, Amy, really enjoyed the conversation today. And thanks to all of you out there for listening. If you learned something today, if you like what we're doing with the podcast, like Amy does, subscribe, follow Coach to Scale um, on LinkedIn, uh, share it with a friend. And if you wanna hear from somebody, if there's a leader, that's had an impact on your life who you think needs to be heard and I'm happy to interview them. Just send me a note and uh, we'll try to get in touch with them. It's been my pleasure to host this conversation on behalf of Coach to Scale. Until next time, coach them if you wanna keep them. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Coach to Scale, how modern leaders build coaching cultures. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at coachem.io. That's C-O-A-C-H-E-M dot I-O. And follow us on Twitter at Coachem Now. See you all next week. Thanks for joining. And remember, coach them if you want to keep them. <laughs>